Good morning, Christian. Uh, we asked Christian to be on the call today because we met him at the early stages of his career, and he's going to describe a little bit, re-describe what he shared when he first started this morning about his background uh, before uh, Equus and then how he's grown uh, to be where he is today. And we have seen that growth, and that's part of the reason we wanted him on this morning because it's been inspiring to us. So, Christian, why don't you uh, start us from the beginning? Oh, I forgot to unmute him. Okay, oh, hold on, Christian. Connie forgot it. to unmute. I got it. Here we go. Go ahead. How go you ahead, got me? Christian. We got <laughs> you. I'm now. so sorry about that. No, that's okay. I figured that's what happened. But yeah, so. Uh, guys, I'm so I'm so grateful to be on this call with you. I am. Uh, I know there's a lot of lot of fighters on this call. Look up to a lot of you guys. So definitely uh, encouraged to be on this call. But yeah, um, thanks for the intro. Like Dick and Connie said, I think I met you guys for the first time in uh, Nashville when we were doing like a really local training. Um, but yeah, I remember coming to y'all's uh, meeting you had the next morning that Saturday, I believe, at the hotel y'all were staying at. I was I was like, these guys are for real. But, yeah, so my name's Christian, 29. I live in Louisville, Kentucky right now. Uh, my wife is active duty Coast Guard, so we moved here last May. So in two years, who knows where we'll be. That's pretty cool. I love uh, what we do, that it's mobile to where anywhere I go I can work. That's such a blessing. But I started Equus August of 2016. It's when I met Nate Maddox. Uh, he's actually one of my best friends now, super guy, taught me a lot in this business. If it weren't for him, I couldn't tell you where I'd be. Uh, definitely want to thank the people that have poured into me so far. I couldn't do that without them. This business, don't try to do it yourself. You certainly need to form relationships that help you stay in this business and stay you know, profitable in this business. But when I came across Equus, I was working at a nursery, making 10 bucks an hour, didn't go to college, barely finished high school. I'm pretty sure the only reason I finished high school was they were tired of looking at me and dealing with me because I wasn't, you know, I was kind of a troublemaker. So they probably were just like, get this kid out of here. We're tired of dealing with him. So I finished high school. I got a job immediately after that. The city of Mobile, that didn't last long. So uh, when I came to that course, I had no experience. Okay. okay. You're back. All right. Good. All right. So when I came with Equus, I had no experience in sales. I had no sales training, no professional experience, didn't know how to communicate effectively, didn't know any what any of that meant. Okay. I was working for 10 bucks an hour at a nursery in Loxley, Alabama, moving plants all day. And I was just looking for something. I didn't know what it was. It certainly wasn't to sell insurance. I don't think anybody wakes up one day and has a dream or an epiphany saying, oh, my God, I'm going to sell insurance for a living. I don't think that happens. It just it came my way, and I saw the potential, and I saw that I can control my income and can, and can control my schedule, and I knew that this could be the vehicle to get me where I wanted to be, and that was free. And it's as simple as that. I mean, we sell insurance. We teach others how to sell insurance. I wanted to be free. I wanted to, to be somebody of significance and do something special, and I saw this as my opportunity. Uh, but here came the tough part, you know, making it work. So you got somebody like me who didn't know anything, and I dove headfirst into this, and I was completely awful at it. Like, I was so bad. It's funny. 
<laughs> I laugh because it's funny how bad I was, but I was so scared to pick up a phone. I was, it felt like a thousand pounds. I don't know how, you know, physically that would be possible, but the phone was so heavy, and I had such a hard time booking appointments. I was, you know, if I would have been a client on the other end of that phone, I would have been scared to death. Uh, if somebody like me called them in the beginning, because I would have been like, who is this guy? Who is this dude? <laughs> I am not fooling with this kid. So needless to say, I wasn't very good at booking appointments. wasn't very good at a lot of things. Um, even in the home, I was very unsure of myself. I lacked the self-confidence. I lacked everything that you need in this business. And so the first year, I struggled so bad. I probably quit every single day. Like, in my mind, I was like, this is too hard. Like, this is so tough. Uh, I'll tell you what kept me going, guys, and a lot of you will probably relate to this, and if not, hopefully you can get something out of what I'm about to say. What kept me going in the beginning and what still keeps me going on those tough days is I know what I want. I believe that that's going to be the first stepping stone to your journey and success is you have to know what you want. You have to know what you're waking up and fighting for. I think if you don't, it's too easy to get caught up in the day-to-day minutia and the day-to-day hardship and adversity, and it'll, it'll, it'll throw you off course. But when you have a definite major aim and a definite purpose, and you can think on that purpose in those hard times, that's what's going to pull you through in those tough times. So that was how I got started in Equistick. Well, let me ask you this. What was the epiphany that kind of turned you from, oh, my gosh, I'm not, I don't know if I can do this, to the point that, yes, I'm having enough success, I can do this? When did that happen and what changed? So I don't think it was an epiphany, like one day I woke up and there was something. I think for me it was more of like a slow progression. I'll tell you, I'll tell you exactly why. My biggest, my greatest asset is the habit of reading every single day and developing myself every single day. So for that first year, I have never developed myself. So that first year, my results were a compound interest of the last 25 years of my life, which weren't very good. We're, we're pretty poor. Mm-hmm. After that first year, I had now accumulated self-development every single day for that year. So my second year was better because it was a result of the compounded interest of the first year, Right. And so every single year after that, I've been able to double in income in this business. But here's the key. It's not because I'm doing more. I'm certainly doing the same amount of activity, right? It's because I've become more valuable as a person. So now my, now my, my efforts are now compounding upon themselves because I've, I've developed the habit of, of pouring into myself every single day. Here's what I learned. Here's what, you'll, here's what I learned. The only limitation that anyone has is all self-imposed. In other words, there's no limitation to what we can do except that which we place in our own minds. And I had to learn that, Dick, by developing self-confidence and self-worth in myself. That's when things really changed for me is when I started believing in myself and my belief system changed. Uh, team, I'm looking at who's on this call, and Dick and I are sitting here looking at each <laughs> other. We've been in this business 25 years. You won't very often get to hear from someone like Christian Pounder, because if you had heard from him before August of 2016, 
there would be probably no similarities in what he's saying. Listen to the knowledge that he is pouring out to us, the things that he's saying. Dick and I know that he learned these comments from the personal development. He did not know these things before August of 2016. He was a different person then. And now he has transformed himself through personal development, just like Abe Lincoln said, when you're going to cut down a tree, you, you know, you don't really study the tree. What you do is you spend twice as much time sharpening your axe as you do actually cutting down the tree. And that's what Christian has done here. He has spent more time on himself than he did on the actual business. So keep you are on a roll, Christian, and uh, we're here as long as you need. So so here's what you have to learn about this business and really about life in general. See, my focus really isn't to work hard on my job. It's more or less to work hard on myself. When you learn to work harder on yourself than on anything else, everything else in life works together because you become valuable and you start attracting the results that you want. See, many people go after the results. Here's what I learned. The most frustrating thing in life for me was trying to have an above-average income above-average relationships, above-average life, without becoming an above-average person. See, you have, to be, you have to become above-average person before you get above-average results. So start to seek what you become and what you do. In other words, when you, when you set a goal for yourself, don't, don't chase after the result of that goal. Instead, focus more on what am I becoming in an attainment of this goal. That's why I love Equus is because the person I'm becoming See, what I have in my life now is just a natural manifestation of the person I've become. So it all works hand in hand, but a lot of people focus on the after result when that's not how you get it. You attract success by the person you become. See, success is looking for a place to stay. Instead of you seeking it, work on yourself, and success will find you. So for me... Like this business, you have to understand, everything in life has a setup. It has been that way from the beginning, and it's always going to be that way. Everything is cyclic. There is nothing new under the sun, right? Like everything that is will be, and everything that was will be again, right? So here's what you have to change your philosophy on. Instead of wishing things were easier, instead of wishing that everybody picked up the phone on the first ring, that, you, that everybody let you come sit with them, that everybody bought a policy, that nobody canceled, that nobody came in behind you and rewrote you by lying or whatever they did, right? Instead of focusing on how hard things are, th- those things are not going to change. Dick and Connie have been in this business longer than I have. They can be a testament to what I'm saying. It's always going to be that way. So instead of focusing on wishing things were easier, focus on getting better. Focus on learning to handle problems more effectively. Focus on learning to communicate more effectively. Focus on learning how to close a sale more effectively. Focus on learning how to set up your schedule and be consistent more effectively. See, when you get better, things get better. Does that make sense? Amen. (laughs) They get better and they get easier. Yeah, uh, you know, I've I've been texting with someone uh, that's on this call that, probably sounded like you when when they were 29 and uh you know we're just we're just really enjoying this uh christian um 
you know, a lot of what you just said, you know, we have, we have heard that in conversation from you. We've heard it from stage. We know that you are a professional. You prepare. Uh, when, you, when you go into the home, you're prepared. Um, tell us how going down there to Barry Clarkson's ranch for that uh, weekend, tell us how that prepared you even more. Well, you know, the biggest thing, one of the biggest things I'm learning in being successful is association. So when I was able to go and associate with the man himself, Barry, now just looking at Barry, you're like, you know, he's very, uh, looks low maintenance. He's very unassuming. Let me tell you something about this dude. This is one of the most powerful and positive people you'll ever meet in your life. You won't meet many people like Barry Clarkson ever in your life. So when I got the opportunity to go and just sit at his feet and just spend time with him and have a notepad and a pencil and ask him questions, the value of something like that, the little the little amount of money I paid for the, the plane flight and my food was nothing compared to the value that I got from what it brought. So, like, it, it wasn't a matter of how much it cost. What I looked at was how valuable is this to me, you know. And so being able to spend time with Barry, I will never forget that. And, and, and no matter how big I get, I will never forget where I came from and the feeling that I got being able to really sit and talk with him in the beginning like I did. You know, it's interesting you say that, uh, and I knew that was part of your DNA because I had a very, very similar background to you. I did go to college, but I put my way through college by mowing grass. Uh, my brother and I had a mowing service, and then I started selling when I was in college. But I know how important that sort of thing is to go sit, not at the feet of somebody like Barry because it's not that way at all, but to sit with him, especially in that environment, I laugh because I knew Barry when neither one of us were anybody. You know, he had five agents, and I became number six. But going to the ranch like that and just seeing and being able to go to places like that, those are places to a degree we hardly knew they existed, let alone to be invited there as a guest, you know. Um, being with the other guys, what what was that like because you were sharing ideas with other people successful in the business? How did that how did that work out? So, you know, being around those other people that are headed in the same same, same direction, <clears throat> excuse me, same direction as I am as far as ambition and and you know, for the most part philosophy, uh it is so vital to get around people like that as much as possible. Because let me tell you what happens. Your thoughts and your mind, your, 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 your frequency in your mind starts to harmonize with those people that are around you. And what it does is it adds vitality and energy to what you already have. You're able to now feed off their ideas. You're able to um, get in an environment to where you leave with more information than what you came with just simply due to the fact that you were able to get on the same page as these people and that energy and be able to learn and, and basically transcend information from that person. That's why conference is so important. It's not just a big meeting of people that high-five each other. Do you understand that I wouldn't be where I am right now if it weren't for meetings, if it weren't for conference? That's where things become real. That's where things become truly real to you when you look at people that are winning and you say, man – I'm pretty sure I'm smarter than that person. <laughs> no, you know, I'm just kidding what I'm saying. But really, you look at it and you're like, you 
not do that. But, but see, here's, here's the problem. What holds people back is fear. What holds people back is they don't believe in themselves. So it's really much, a lot easier to justify why you don't do something as opposed to looking in the mirror and getting to know yourself, right? That's one of the most toughest things to do is to get to know yourself. See, because what you're going to uncover is a lot of things that you thought to be true that aren't true. See, see, what we grew up with as far as our culture for the most part, what was told to us as what we were kids for the most part, we believe that to be true. See, Thomas Paine said, it's not what you don't know that kills you. It's what you think to be true that you're willing to die for. That's what kills you. See, a lot of people, it's much easier just to die for the truth, what they think to be true, than to actually study truth for themselves and find it. Right? But when you do that and you discover who you are and you discover your self-worth and you start to develop confidence, that's when things are going to change because, see, you're going to perceive things now differently. Right? They've always been the same, but when your understanding of the things change, that's when things start changing. So what you have to do is focus on becoming a better person. Focus on building your self-confidence. Focus on working on your self-worth. See, Nothing can be done in life if you doubt that it can be done, right? So you have to change your belief system, right? Assume that you can be the one to do something. Like know in your heart. I don't care if you have to tell yourself a thousand times a day. Know in your heart that you're the one. Against all odds, you're the one, baby. You're going to make it. It's very interesting. That's going to develop something inside you. It's going to change you. Totally. And guys, you know... A couple months ago, Barry talked about a book called The Bottom of the Pool. And um, I'm just going to say that from, for me personally, it's a hard book to get through. But Andy Andrews is one of my favorite authors, so I'm going to stick it with it. And what Christian is saying, a lot of it is similar to what Andy Andrews is saying. You have got to believe in yourself that you can do this. And obviously, Christian does. Probably didn't when he, uh, definitely didn't when he came to Equus, but uh, meeting Nate, Nate Maddox and associating with people who have done this is um, the way to get to the top. And before, before we, um, I would forget, I wanted to just comment on what Christian said about conference, so many of the agents come to conference with a limited mindset. Oh, I'll just go all day Saturday because that's when all the main meetings are. No, the conference lasts from beginning to end, okay? And everything from the beginning to the end is important. So if you go and you miss the Saturday night awards, you miss seeing all the people who succeeded and what they accomplished. And I can tell you that Robert Bowditch and David Crocker are partly where they are today because of that Saturday night awards dinner where they saw for the very first time that they were at conference, they saw folks just like Christian said, you know, well, I'm at least as smart as that guy. <laughs> you know, they knew that that next year could be their year to be on stage, get the ring, get the awards, earn the Rolex, 
and and do all these things. And you're listening to somebody else that knows that too. Dick, you had a question? I did. I wanted to comment, Chris. I was up much earlier this morning than usual in preparation for today and just thinking about today. And the very first thing I read this morning was, every prudent man acts with knowledge. And by taking time to acquire knowledge, you'll be ready for the opportunities life brings. If you're not prepared, they pass you by and go to others. And I thought, oh my gosh, as you were going over that. But one of the texts that came in I wanted to ask you about, uh, how do you divide your time between selling and recruiting? It's probably the hardest question he'll ever be asked. Well, it is, and it's one of the (laughs) hardest things to do. Yeah, it is. Well, for me, I know the number one key for for me to be in business is to stay in business. So I know that I have to go out and run a certain amount of appointments every single week. Like I know that. If I, if I was working a full-time job and was getting a paycheck, I could focus really all my efforts on building because I have a paycheck, right? But like I'm 100% commission, and so right now, you know, it's kind of like owning a subway. Like right now, I'm still having to be behind the counter serving white and serving wheat. Right until I get that counter completely filled with people making sandwiches, I have to get down in the weeds. I understand that. So that's a that's such an important question because how I'll run my schedule is I run three days a week. So like today I have I have six appointments starting at eleven thirty. So I'll work till about nine p.m. and I run fifteen appointments a week within two and a half three days. So I dial on Monday mornings. I dial on Monday evenings. I'm recruiting a cold market and more market uh, between the hours of 12 and 5 p.m. on Monday. I do interviews every day between 9 and 11 a.m. because I don't start my first appointment until 11.30. That way I leave time to interview in the morning. And then Friday, if I have a lot of responses or whatever, I can open up my schedule. But typically Fridays is all about conference call, and then I'm off. Or if I have to run more appointments because I, I had a bad week, I have Friday to make it up. But I think really if you can take anything from what I'm saying is know your schedule, design your schedule, and, that, and that's going to take tweaking, and that's going to be uncomfortable because it's really easy to just throw something up there and say, this is what I'm going to do. Don't do that. Spend the upfront energy and really do some thinking because that's most of our problem. We just don't think. You know, James Allen said we, you know, half the time we're thinking we're really just rearranging our prejudices. You know, so <laughs> take, some, take some time to think and really, really, you know, address it to your specific situation. So what, see, the beautiful thing about what we do, it's all relative. So whatever your schedule is, design it around your schedule. Once you do that, be consistent. It should be life or death. Like, I should be able to ask your spouse, hey, three weeks from now on a Wednesday at 5.30 p.m., what's so-and-so doing? They should be able to tell me, oh, he's running an appointment. Like, that's his appointment time. Like, he's doing interviews. See, Here's, here's a very, very solid principle that you need to understand. Random deposits of time have no accumulative value. So if I go out and I work one week, 20 appointments, and write 10 grand, but go out the next week and write nothing just because I, I, I didn't feel like doing it, that has no accumulative value. If I read a book for 10 hours in one day and don't read for three weeks, that has no accumulative value. See, you would much rather deposit small amounts of time over time consistently that's what has a cumulative value. That's why when you work out, you know, you look in the mirror three months later after doing it every day, and you're like, whoa, this came out of nowhere. 
right? But if you go to the gym just one day and, and you know, sporadically and you work out for eight hours, your body's going to be like, you're an idiot, and you're not going to have any results. It's only going to damage you. You see what I'm saying? So learn to be consistent, even if it's not a lot, but guess what? Being consistent every single day has so much more value than being sporadic with large deposits. You allow things to accumulate. Learn the effects of compounding interest. That's why these credit card companies make all this money. They use compounding interest in the negative aspect, right? When you can learn to use compounding interest to work for you, you start to accelerate your growth, but you've got to give it enough time to start cooking. It's kind of like a bag of popcorn. You know, <laughs> most of the bag of popcorn is cooked in the last 20 seconds, but it's got to go through that initial push to where nothing's happening to be able to expand the way it does, right? <laughs> Well, guys, I can just tell you, if you didn't write down random deposits of time have no accumulative value, ponder that today. Absolutely. That's, that's you, amazing. You know, it's funny. It was one of our favorite examples is the bamboo tree. Yeah. But leave it to Christian to come up with the popcorn because we love popcorn. <laughs> we do, and I think that's going to be my new, my new go-to um, because it's, it's so relatable. Uh, we've all made popcorn. And you're right, it just sits there. And, guys, there is an awesome book out by uh, Darren Hardy, and it's called The Compound Effect. And it talks about just what uh, Christian gave us a little uh, preview of, uh, that the value of the compound effect. And so well put this morning. Dick, do you have... Uh, Anything else you'd like to ask specifically? No, and I think the things that I kind of put together, I'm going to cut do next week because, you know, one, I just think, Christian, do you have anything else that you'd like to share with our, our group this morning? Just to close out. Um, you know, success and leadership in any area is always, the result of careful planning. You have to, you know, you have to be a good planner. You know, typically plans go to heck, right? We know that. But the characteristic of, of, of actually planning is invaluable. If I could leave you with anything, just be a planner in, in all areas of your life. Be a planner. Inform the image of what you want to happen, and then you're more likely to stay on track when things get tough. Well, very, very well said. You know, it's uh, interesting because when with Dick and I, you know, he's the leader, I'm the manager. Um, I tend to make a plan, and he tends to execute it. So we understand the value of that, and uh, uh, I know you chose your mate wisely, uh, Christian, and I, I uh, watched some of that unfold on Facebook with the tremendous uh, – friendship that you have with uh, Russ Tessman and how he officiated your ceremony and uh, that guys that those relationships were built through Equus and will last a lifetime for um, Christian and his wife Sarah so thank you so much for being on this morning do you have one more I do I want to pour into Christian a little bit here because it falls right in line with what he was saying about going to meetings and so on mm -hmm. Uh, I had the privilege of uh, joining the group in Northern Virginia Saturday, 
And I'd, I go to those meetings. Do I contribute? Of course I do. Mm -hmm. But I go with the intention of contributing what I can but learning everything that I can. And I thought it was interesting, you know, we, when we're trying to talk to people and find out what kind of medi uh, medications and, and things that they have, uh, one of the guys came up, he said, you know, when you're trying to find out what's wrong with people health-wise, it's more of an interrogation, and they feel uncomfortable with that. And he said, you know, this is what I've done. He said, I'll ask him, has the doctor put any labels on you, you know, like diabetes or heart condition or something like that? And I thought, boy, that was really a great way to ask these questions and kind of add a little levity to it. And one of the things he pointed out, because he's in a market where the incomes are very high, and a lot of times a new agent will ask somebody what their income is, and they'll say it's about $10,000 a month, and the, the agent drops her pen, and if they had false teeth, they'd fall out. And his comment was, don't look surprised. Like, just that's normal. And, like, that's what you make. You know, those are some of the things. And I thought this was really a cute one here. Uh, have you got that old kind of insurance, you know, the kind that pays when you die? And, of course, that's a trap, and they all say yes to it. He said, well, um, I need to take a look at that for compliance. And I thought that was such a great phrase to use because now, oh, compliance, how many times have you asked to look at the old policy? Well, we can't find it. We don't know where it is. But when they think it's for compliance, that changes the, the dynamics of everything. And uh, he said, and the way you get the wife to go look at it is, John, I need to, to ask you a couple questions here while Mary goes and gets that. Yeah, excellent you know, Such a great way to say what he was doing. And then one of the other things is um, when you're trying to find the, or the prescriptions, you know, you, you tell them to go get the basket so that you can get the doctor's name spelled right to prescribe them, mm -hmm. and because a lot of times they can't, or to how, how you spell the prescription. He said, you know, the, the things that, that you keep in that little basket back there, inhalers, and you know those happy pills for anxiety that you take, and everybody will kind of laugh about that. And with that, they're going to go get whatever you wanted. And I said, these were some great ways to do it. And then the last thing I wanted to share with you here is understanding that nationwide the average sale is $85 a month. So guys, if you can present some numbers that are 65, 85, and 110, you are right in the sweet spot for all of our clients. Mm -hmm. For those that can't quite afford the 85, you've established that it's natural and normal to show something less, but you've allowed them the luxury of buying something more. And then when you're finished with that, you know, say, now, I just want, to, uh, want you to understand something. We want this to be 100% comfortable for you because we do annual reviews, John and Mary, and next year we can pick up more coverage if we need to, but we've got something we know you can afford now. And I thought these were concepts that were shared by different people that I picked up where? At a meeting. At a meeting. That's you know, and that's right. why it's so important to go. So important. And uh, Christian reiterated this morning. Christian, we just thank you so much for being on this morning. Um, you're welcome to stay or drop off either one. We're going to record just a couple more things here. Um, but uh, just the value of having uh, him come on to our call, add uh, you know, a little spark of excitement, and uh, get a few extra people on that maybe don't normally tune in. Uh, but there again, Christian, thanks so much, and um, just have a wonderful day on your six appointments. <laughs> well, they got their money's worth today. Yeah. So. 
All righty. Okay. You're going to do this, and then we'll be finished. Okay. Uh, wanted to point out a number of new agents want to call the carriers, and there's a time you call the carriers when you're looking for risk assessment. But understand something. The carrier does not know what our agency has been authorized to sell from them. And we had a situation a few years ago, the agent never got on calls, never called for help, and they got to the client's house and they says, well, we like this company. And it just happened to be a carrier that we were appointed through. So the agent calls the company. He says, I can't figure the rates on this product. Uh, would you help me? So they gave him the price. He says, I can't get an application. So they emailed him one. So he writes it up and sends it in, never called anybody, just sent it in to find out, <clears throat> yeah, they, they took the product, but he did not get a commission on it because that's a product that we are not uh, approved to offer through that particular company. Uh, why is that? There's a lot of things that are moving parts along that line, but it's important when you're calling the carriers that you understand you know, there are things that you get from the carriers and things that you get from us. And, you know, and, and I, I was telling, I think it was Tony Bates a couple of weeks ago, that if we tried to teach you everything you need to know before you go in the field, your head would explode. And so it's a, a, an application through um, being in the field that's so important for you. Um, you know, the other thing is when you call the carrier, uh, a lot of those people doing risk assessments, underwriting, they've never carried a briefcase, okay? And so if they recommend an IUL because that's the product of the week at that company, they don't have any idea if that really is the best product for that client. And the only way you're going to know that is to call um, someone who does know which could be the person that hired you or it could be Dick. But um, I'm just going to reiterate that, you know, when folks come to us and leave without meeting their goals, it is almost always because of lack of communication. And uh, keep in mind that, you know, we can only um, call, make so many calls in a day, but we can certainly accept calls from you um, you know, all day long, text, emails, that sort of thing. Dick, you wanted to talk a little bit more about that? Or yeah, not? on the strategic planning, I think it's important, you know, um, if you're not prepared, that opportunity passes us by. And what strategic thinking does, it prepares us for the future because none of us know what tomorrow is really going to bring. And strategic thinking and planning reduces the margin of error. See, anytime you shoot from the hip, you increase the margin of error. And strategic thinking needs to line up, to have your actions line up with your objectives. And I think if people can kind of understand that one executive quip or commented one day, he said, yeah, he said, our company's got a short-range plan and a long-range plan. Our short-range plan is to stay afloat long enough to make it to the long-range plan. And that's hardly a strategy. But I, unfortunately, it's a position I think a lot of us find ourselves in. And... Um, the person that has a long-range plan has power because how many times have I explained to the agents, know before you go, because if you know how you're going to present a hard situation, for example, you've got a guy with a $200,000 mortgage, all they qualify for is a final expense plan for ten, fifteen, dollars or 20000 and 
you're thinking and they're thinking if you don't present this right, they're going to think you're nuts. Because if you came to me and I had a $200,000 mortgage and you told me all I could get was $10,000, you're out of my house. I mean, mentally, I stopped thinking, listening the moment you say that. But that's why Podcast 17 is so important because it gives you a way to present something in such a way we're not selling them $10,000 to keep the wife in the house for six months. What we're doing is we're selling them a $10,000 policy to make house payments so that the family gets the equity out of the home. If there's 50 or 100, I had a call the other day, guy had $400,000 equity in his house on a $200,000 mortgage. Bless God, he ought to have a fifteen or $20,000 policy in place to protect 400000 you know, but if you went in there explaining to him all he could get was ten or fifteen thousand dollars, he's not going to buy it. But he will spend a hundred or hundred and fifty dollars a month to protect the four hundred thousand dollars in equity. That's strategic planning, and that's what we need to help you guys with, so that when you get in the house, you can practice that on the way. Yeah, 